You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And Mike, as as much as Colts focus over the last week or so has been focused on uh, who has left the team recently, I think today in particular, all of Colts Nation can be thankful for who did not join the team in the offseason. That would be wide receiver Antonio Brown, because right now things seem to be imploding for him. Uh, News of the day out in Oakland. I thought at the time in the offseason, it was, and I may have written about it or not, but you kick the tires when he's a free. You just kick the tires and say, what do you think? And then maybe saner minds prevail and say no so uh it, it's amazing to me don't you think that the the most satisfied and grinning people in the country are mike tomlin and the sealers oh my saying, goodness really How, you know knock me over with a feather so yes yeah, just not suspended yet i don't believe as far as the breaking news but anytime that you're in a sentence to where you have threatened to hit your gm isn't that a line in the sand? You, I mean, there's there's lines in the sand, and right. some. This is one you just can't cross. And that's a report from the NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, who said who said that that AB threatened to punch uh, the, the Raider GM Mike Mayock, had then punted a ball, and uh, and we so, were talking and about he said, and he said, "Find me for that." And we were just talking about it before we came on that punt. In theory, assuming that uh, the the contract for Antonio Brown is is normal, that punt literally could cost him thirty million dollars because the Raiders, if they could suspend him and cut him, could nullify all the guaranteed money in his deal. So, oh my goodness, that could be the most expensive punt of all time. Contact detrimental. That's a pretty broad term, but uh, I think you can make a pretty good case. Teams, oh, that's what I say again. I, I'm trying to think back at all the the knuckleheads the Colts have had through the years. I, now maybe someone threatened to punch Bill Polian, and I can certainly imagine imagine that possibility, <laughs> uh-huh. because of uh, Bill's temper and, and all that. But again, there's just certain things that you just can't tolerate. And can you imagine the dynamics of John Gruden saying, "This is a transcendental talent," and Mayock says he threatened to punch me. Yeah. So it, it'd be interesting to see if 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 Gruden. Sign or sides with the player over his GM. I mean, does Mike Mayock say I'm out of here? I mean, th- this is this is a circus even for Oakland. Well, I think it's interesting too because Oakland's got to make a statement right now. First year GM, second or not, year coach, or not exactly. But they got to send a message to the rest of their very young football team of what they're going to tolerate. And you know, is it an I team or is it a we team? And I think you know Mayock's kind of sacrificing the short term for the long-term betterment of the team if he ends up letting Brown go. We were talking in the press room that things have come out about the particulars where they, they got into a confrontation and punting. That came from eyewitness accounts. Mm-hmm. So you've got players, players. This is plural. Plural. Yes. Leaking this, and not even leaking, it's gushing out. I, I just That says something to me about the culture out there to where players don't have each other's backs, or at least... Antonio Brown's back. It's very it's very possible that these players are saying we don't we don't need this. We've got a game to play in a few days. Normal. I, I can't imagine this type of a thing leaking out of the Colts complex at all. Hmm. Uh, so so it's 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 you know I'm glad it's it's on the West Coast and not here. But to see a player of this stature and talent level, teams have always had their tolerance for knuckleheads. 
goes up with the talent of the player. I'm not sure how you allow this to go anywhere other than suspending him for at least a game. And Mike, you were far from the only Colts writer who who said that the Colts should at least kick the tires, if not bring Antonio Brown in this offseason, thinking that he could be a missing piece to this Colts puzzle. But uh, he was not. He is in Oakland, and who knows how long he will be in Oakland? Who knows? Maybe Bill Belichick swoops in and offers a seventh-round pick, and all of a sudden, A.B. is a, is a Patriot next week. Joe, Joe's head is in his hands right now because he knows that, that that is not entirely outside of the realm of possibility. But... I don't want to speculate too much on that. Obviously, who knows what exactly uh, the uh, the the man himself, Bill, would want to do. But uh, it, there's no doubt that uh, the someone 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 will. It, it, oh, yeah. If Antonio Brown is cut, yes, someone someone's will inquire because you know it'll be one I can fix him, mm-hmm. which this this may be unfixable from a from a, a, a player standpoint. But someone will take the shot. Speaking of the Colts now, we'll shift gears back to the horseshoe here in Indianapolis. It was a rather busy week in terms of uh, making several players a little bit more uh, locked in for for not just the short term, but the long term. That includes Jacoby Brissett and their newly signed backup, Brian Hoyer, after he's cut by the Patriots. You bring in Hoyer, first of all, you sign him to a three-year, $12 million deal, Mike. And then after that, you uh, probably have to extend Brissett a little bit. I I think that the optics would be bad having your backup quarterback make more than your Three starting times quarterback. More. Exactly. So so that's is the Colts kind of ha- put themselves in that situation by by bringing in Hoyer. In my opinion, they could have they didn't have to. I guess extend Brissett. He was still under contract for one year, but I think it. It's it's good business. It's what you would expect a team to do, a quality team, a respectable team to to extend their quarterback, even just for one year. So now Brissett's under contract for next year as well, and uh, he has a, a chunk of change now, and he represents himself, so he's not giving away ten percent of that to to an but agent. It's it's three percent. Excuse but, me, but but still, uh, yeah, it, it's they 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 found a way to address the short term. It, to where it, it, one of those rare cases where it satisfies both sides. It, it, you know, Brissett was going to make $2 million. Well, that, that would have been probably the lowest opening day for a starting quarterback. And, and it, it also, it, it looks at next year to where he's, I want to say locked in. It depends on what the guaranteed money is next year. But it gives you a year to really evaluate what you have. You know, they're, they're talking a really good game, the Colts are, whether it's Bowser or Reich or the players. They're all in with this guy. Well, they have to be. Yeah, but but they're really talking him up, and he's you know Frank said he's the answer, he's our guy, and and the, the problem is the body of work is 2017. It just is, and we all know what 2017 was, and, and it's not fair, but it's 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 the fact of the matter. It was an awful season to be a quarterback thrown into that situation, not knowing the playbook and learning on the fly and all that. But that that's his body of work. 15 starts, what was it? Two starts in in. Uh, New England the year before. So this gives you a chance to, you know, Brissett earns good money, you know, $15 million a year. So he makes good money this year. Frank said it was, you know, he's a top 20 quarterback. He's getting paid like number 18. Mm -hmm. So it's right there. But if if it just doesn't work and he's just awful, which that's not going to be the case, you can walk away probably and reload. Now, that's easier said than done. It's easy to cut players. It just, it really is. But replace him, and with Hoyer, it's it's a three year deal. It's probably a one year deal. He's getting was it seven or nine million dollars guaranteed? It's nine million, I believe, reported. Right. Yeah. So you you can walk away if it doesn't work. Uh, you know, contracts are only as good as the the money you get in the first year. Yep. But it, it does stabilize the situation. 
Uh, Chad Kelly's still in the building. He's uh, he's suspended. We were surprised. We, he's in, he's in the building. Yeah, we talked about that. Like we saw him go through the locker room. I was like, wait I mean, a second, I mean, Chad Kelly's suspended. So, but it, it is different uh, with the personal conduct that he's suspended for. Apparently, not apparently. You can be in the building. You don't practice at all, but you're in meetings, which is good. I always thought it was crazy to you, you suspend a player, which is which means you have a troubled player, whether it's personal conduct, whether it's PEDs, whether it's you know street drugs, and you say in no contact with the team, and then you you can't have that that Stru- regiment, the, the that structure, structure the, the discipline. Although discipline didn't help, and structure didn't help. Chad Kelly in Denver it did not. So you know he, he he messed up anyway, but he's in the building, and I fully expect that they they waived, they they signed Philip Walker to the practice squad, cut him from the practice squad. Whether it was yesterday, I can't keep up with Philip Walker. I believe I it was it's, Wednesday. Yes, it's it's like eleven or twelve moves now for him. That's his life. It seems like every yeah. year now for the past. Well, few Well, but years. the problem is this might be it for him here. I, I barring barring injury, I wonder if this is a guy you bring back because I really think that. Uh, after week two, you bring Chad Kelly to the practice squad. You know, it, it's amazing with Twitter how there's a segment that thought Kelly was going to be that percent. You know, and I'm just thinking, you know, we, well, there was also a segment that thought Stephen Moore should beat out Andrew yes. Luck the other year. So yeah, so it, it, you Let's just take have, that with a large you have grain to of work, salt. But but they're set now with Brissett and uh, Hoyer and, and Chad Kelly. More than likely, will be a practice squad guy, and he probably needs a year. To season, and, and then we'll see next year. For Hoyer with the backup, he's now playing for his eighth team in an 11-year career. So that, that's a whole lot of movement for one guy. It's not like a team falls in love with him as their backup and they keep him for a while. It's, well, he's your backup for a bit, and then you bring him in to maybe, uh, like, like the Colts have the situation right now, kind of mentor a young guy, right. and then all of a sudden your use for him is kind of gone. So that's why he's kind of journeyed from one place to another in his career. He has been with Pittsburgh, Arizona, Cleveland, Houston, Chicago, San Francisco just the other year. Um, and then, of course, the New England Patriots where he's Arizona for a short time. Did you mention Arizona, I think, as well? And also Frank Reich was there in Arizona right. at that time. So Coach was talking a little bit about his brief time with Hoyer in Arizona. I think he was only there for a couple weeks that right. season. And, um, and, and Frank uh, remembered his time Remember, he was speaking on Wednesday saying, hey, he remembered that Hoyer was a smart quarterback, and then they brought him in, and uh, I believe Frank's words were just after one minute had gone by, I knew immediately we had made the right choice to bring him in. So they they clearly value a lot of the attributes that Hoyer brings in to be a mentor to Jacoby Brissett, even though now Brissett's probably teaching him one or two more things uh, in this first week or two. You tweeted out to him. Remember what we asked Hoyer about how quickly you get up to speed, and and he said he talked to Brissett. He said... He said, "Imagine going having four years of Spanish in college, and then you know the week before your final exams, they say here's French, <laughs> learn it. Right. So, so you know, and again, this is one where you you bring in a veteran backup because you need one, and you hope you don't need him. I mean, with, with all backups, that that that's the fact. Right. This, this is sort of reminiscent of bringing in Matt Hasselbeck with uh, Andrew Luck, and I, I think Hasselbeck served a great purpose." With luck, I'm not saying on-field development, but maybe how you approach things and all that stuff. So there's no downside. People were complaining that, one, they overpaid for Brissett. Well, not as a starter they didn't. They they just didn't. Uh, although, basically, this was a one-year extension worth $28 million. I mean, because he was making two, and I realize they're, they're monkeying around with, with how they're paying, but but they essentially franchised him for next year. 
that's what the franchise number is roughly going to be. And with Hoyer, I don't care which one of these guys you were going to sign, Osweiler or Castle or or who was the other one, um, uh, Brandon Whedon. I'd rather have Hoyer than any of those guys. And, and, yeah. But you were going to pay any of those guys three or four million dollars just because you were right. You're that's the going rate for a backup quarterback. And you were not going to sign a guy for two weeks. It's it, again the, the the thing I did was well. We could have got by with Philip Walker for two weeks and then Chad Kelly. They never, in my mind, ever, ever considered Chad Kelly number two. I remember asking uh, Chris Ballard, uh, was it, I, maybe it was Sunday, about what you might do with Chad Kelly in two weeks. Well, we like Chad. Well, come on. I mean, if you like the guy, say, you know, I really like Chad Kelly. Right. So, you know, I, and I, I don't mean to, to pour on, on Chad Kelly, but. The fact of the matter is, they I think they view him as a maybe somebody for two twenty, but th- I don't think they were ever ever going to go with Chad Kelly in week three as their backup. I want to bring in one thing, uh, one more thing that uh, Frank Reich said about um, about Brian Hoyer that um, I, I saw just a little bit of smoke that I kind I kind of wanted to put out the fire at least on this. He, uh, Frank said uh, Brian has the toughness and accuracy we look for in a quarterback. I saw one or two people uh, on Twitter that maybe thought that was a, a shot across the bow at Andrew Luck saying, oh, we, have, we, have, we, we want this toughness in our quarterback. And, and A, Luck played through a whole lot of pain. We, we've been through that, that discussion on Andrew Lacerated Luck. Lacerated kidney. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't want to get too much into that. You, we, we've discussed Andrew Luck ad nauseum on this podcast. If you want our opinions, you can go back. You can search in, um, in, the, in whatever podcast uh, listening uh, download service that you have and, and find that. But um, I, I do not think that was a shot across the bow at Andrew Luck at all. It was just Frank Reich talking about an attribute of his, another, of his next quarterback. And I'd assume you'd agree with that. Uh, without, without question. Yeah, yeah. I, th- these guys aren't going to – I mean, whatever they think deep down on, on quiet nights about not having you know, Luck and having him leave when he lo- left, and, and again, we've talked about that. No, th- they're not taking these subtle you know, shots after the fact on Luck. They simply aren't. Uh, so, so no, it's if if you want to read that into it, you can. But that that's the case in my mind. If you're anti-luck, you read one thing, and if you're pro-luck, that's why I. One final thing that I've mentioned here before is, is if you really like Andrew Luck, he retired. If you don't like Andrew Luck, he quit, and both are true. Well, if you look at the Colts' 53-man roster, which is now set, which was uh, cut down from 90, or it's set for it's set for now. Exactly. I, that's and that's that's what I've had to say uh, back in the sports <laughs> office when uh, certain people are writing certain things. Uh, when you want to say, "Hey, the roster is set," I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! The roster is at 53." Correct. Because it keeps changing, it keeps moving, and uh, we've seen this already. We've Why seen, is Chris Mil- Chris oh Milton and Roland Milligan? Yep. I. I I was stunned to see Chris Milton go go first of all, but you, you're, well, I, I mean, stunned maybe is a harsh word, just because I know his value, what his value to the team has been. Um, Chris Ballard talked about that move um, this this week. He said we kind of had our eyes on Ryan Lewis, who's the guy they picked up as a uh, he was cut. Was he cut by the oh, Buffalo? Buffalo, yeah, uh, he was cut by the Bills. That's right, yeah. cornerback cut by the Bills to replace cornerback Chris Milton. Uh, so he was a ninety to fifty three cut. And then the Colts saw him like, hey, we want to scoop him up, replace Chris Milton. So anyway, Chris Ballard said, we kind of had our eyes on Ryan Lewis here for a while. Last year, we tried to get him. He is big and fast. He's really good on special teams. And we think he has a lot of upside at corner. So we said, why not take a shot? We didn't have a lot of spots to move, but that was one. And I think this is the key sentence right here. We got a younger player who has got a little more time on his contract going forward. 
that we thought would uh, we would take a shot and thought he could help us. So that that's the reason you get rid of Chris Milton, bring in Ryan Lewis. He's another guy with special teams potential and can do a little bit of cornerback as well, who is younger and cheaper and has a longer time on his contract for you to hold on to him a little bit if you're trying to save a few dollars and cents here and there. Yeah, I, I thought it was just a strange move just because that's it's not a position of need. No. They're very, very deep there. But I keep coming back to one thing that Chris Ballard told us. It was in it after the draft he had us – all in for his little powwow casual, session. which is really pretty cool. And he shows us boards on the wall and they've got lists of players that, you know, that, that they're waiting to either they're out there or, or maybe if they're out there, we're interested in now, whether Ryan Kelly was there, I don't know. Cause you can't really Ryan Lewis, Ryan Lewis, yes. you know, can, can project that, but, but they have their eyes on people. And if, you know, they really like a guy here that, that they missed on last year and he's, they know real quick, if they're going to swoop in and try to get a player. I thought it was funny that he spent most of 2017 on the Patriots practice squad, which is where uh, Kenny Moore would have gone if right. uh, the Colts hadn't swooped him up there too. So that was just just unique. Anyway, Lewis now becomes one of six corners on this roster. Last year, the Colts entered the season with five cornerbacks on their roster. So one extra guy at corner, they have one fewer guy at safety. So it's still 10 defensive backs they have on their roster from the beginning of last season to the beginning of this season. But uh, no real surprises here. you got Kenny Moore, Pierre Desir, Quincy Wilson, Rocky Seen. Those are going to be your first four cornerbacks in some order or form or fashion. And then Marvell Tell, the rookie fifth rounder they have that they want to change from a safety to a cornerback. And uh, and then Ryan Lewis as well. So there, there's your corners right there. I think Marvell Tell is on there because they were afraid of putting him on practice squad oh, and, losing, yeah. and losing him. Yeah, I think they were deathly afraid. And I mean, I'm sure they didn't want to cut Gary Green either, who now I think is wound up on the Patriots. Right. So, but but that's a that was a sixth round pick uh, for out of Mississippi State, the defensive end. That I mean, once you have so many numbers, there's only so many guys you can keep. And so, um, so he was a ca- he was a casualty, and he's he's on the Patriots practice squad. He probably saw why would I come back to this practice squad when there's really not much barring injury. Yeah, where does he? How does he fit in? Yeah, and, and if you look at the defensive ends, let's see. Hang on, I've got my list right here in front of me. So the defensive ends who would be in front of him, you got of course uh, Justin Houston, Kamoko Ture on one side. You got Jabal Sheard, Ben Bandigu on the other side. So both sides, you have a strong veteran leader. You have a young guy that the Colts are really high on. And then after them, uh, Al-Kadeen Muhammad, just a fifth defensive end. Yeah, Mark, and Marcus Hunt's played in, too. Yes. And I mean, that, they want to leave him inside, but he can play in. So, so it's understandable for a guy like Gary Green to, after he gets cut, to be like, you know what, I don't think my best opportunity right. is here. So, And uh, that that's a luxury that if if you're going down to the fifth and sixth round of the draft, you might be thinking, hey, I might be better for me to be, to be an undrafted free agent in this so I can choose my place. Well, Gary got the luxury to choose right. his spot after he got cut, and so he joins the Patriots. Kind of brings up the question as the roster gets more solid moving forward is Ballard going to continue stockpiling these picks when a lot of the late ones are going to be end up being cut anyway or and can the Colts just continue to expect several of the draft picks not making the team because the roster is deep or do you think he'll kind of keep his players more and not go for so many draft picks in the future it's a good question I, I guess the question is you always want to draft develop and re-sign your own Generally, you resign your owner like the top four, top three rounds. Mm-hmm. Now, if you hit a math issue, you, but but generally, you're returning the bottom part of your of your, of your draft of your draft picks. Um, you know, you would hope Marlon Mack is a different guy. What was he a four? fourth round pick? Yeah. Uh, but by and large, that I think that sort of weeds itself out. These guys that are six, seven, you know, five, they sort of fall by the wayside because you bring in better talent, but. 
I just don't see him ever getting around, getting away from having too many draft picks. I, I, you know, somebody said, well, you know, there was a report or a, not a report, a rumor. Well, maybe the Colts were going to trade a second round pick to the Chargers for Melvin Gordon as soon as they're done with this week. That would be so anti Chris Ballard. Not what he, not what he does. It's not. It's not what he does as far as what it would cost second round pick wise, and then what it would cost. To, to meet Melvin Gordon's contract demand. So I, I just think that's, uh, I, again, I, I've learned that until Chris Ballard shows me another side, I I trust what he's doing, and he's, he loves stockpiling draft picks. And I, I don't think I have too much to add to that, so I'll move on. As long as we're talking about running back and Melvin Gordon, we'll talk about the Colts running backs on their final 53. you got four players, of course, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, who is now back with the team, who's been practicing a little bit this week after missing a whole heck of a lot of the preseason, Mike, if not the entire preseason. I can't remember for sure. I don't think he I saw him He didn't play game. preseason. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Jonathan Williams. Hey, Chris Ballard's favorite, Jonathan Williams, on the 53-man roster. Holly. Not, not practicing. No, no, he's not practicing. I talked to Jordan Wilkins today, and he's been limited yesterday, limited today uh, with his foot. And he, he, he's full go tomorrow. He's, he says, I'm, I'm ready to go. Good. So he he'll, he will be your backup running back uh, to Mac on Sunday, with Naheem Hines being that uh, toy that they try to find ways to use. Not too much uh, newsworthy in that uh, that area because that's kind of what we expected. You saw Williams uh, outduel Sharkandrick West, I guess, for that last spot. Probably leading rusher in preseason. Exactly. What, what's that get you? Well, it gets you cut. <laughs> and then I don't think he's been picked up by anybody if, yeah. off the top of my head, but. Uh, nevertheless, that that's your uh, running back room. Wide receivers, Mike, you were right. They carry six wide receivers on their opening day roster, which is one more than last year when they had five. You got yourself your T.Y. Hilton, your Devin Funches, your Paris Campbell, uh, Deion Kane, and then Chester Rogers and Zach Pascal. Both, uh, I would say, with their special teams abilities, were able to solidify those last spots. And um, when you look at uh, at those six guys, Mike, would anything jump off the page to you? I'm looking forward to see Paris Campbell. I, I just, again, he played one half in Cincinnati, and I realized it was against the JVs for the most part. But if you're going to play against backups, dominate. Any any sort. I hate dominate's a strong word, but play well. He did. I just think with this with this offense, with Hilton, and we'll see about Funches, but with Hilton and what Kane can do deep, and then you got the tight ends, you got the running back. Paris Campbell is going to get one-on-ones. He just is. And for him to catch those those crossing patterns or whatever, I just think he's going to be fun to watch. And maybe he's in, you know, he, he puts up some pretty strong numbers just because, you know, T.Y. may have, the, he'll have more certainly more catches than Doyle and Ebron. But the yards after the catch and the big plays, I can see Campbell getting that. You know, every week in some form or fashion. We have talked about this in previous Colts Blue Zone podcasts, just uh, how the offense is going to change, quote-unquote change, between Andrew Luck running it and Jacoby Brissett running it. And you asked Jacoby, and you, the, he said he liked the way you put it, saying that it's same offense, he just steps right. in, basically. And uh, You've got to be careful how you ask your Brissett questions. Very much so. He won't give you what you want. He'll, he'll, he, you're basically quoting yourself. Yeah. So, but but and it's funny. Someone at Mike Wells asked something about. I may have already asked this question, or you may, may have already been asked this question. So I'll let you know if you have, if I've been asked. <laughs> so he, he has fun with the media, but uh, no, this offense, they they insist it's not going to change. Eric Ebron went on and on about it and about how, why why would it change? We've got to say, well because your quarterback's different, right? And, and that's why I keep coming back. We were talking in the media room about what to expect, and and I don't know how you know what to expect. I don't. Th- I don't know either. 
I, we have to see. We have. I'll, I'll tell you after three or four games. I've, I told you. Know, I, I still in my gut think seven and nine because mm-hmm. I thought ten or eleven with Andrew Luck. Well, if I if I thought Luck was that important, then how can I say there won't be a two or three game drop off without him? Well, certainly with Jacoby Brissett a couple years ago, the tight ends were very much utilized. Jack Doyle had his Pro Bowl season, 80 catches, I believe it was. And uh, so this year with tight end, you got four tight ends, Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron, Mo Alley-Cox, and then continuing the streak now at 21 straight years, longest such streak in the NFL. The Colts have an undrafted rookie make their opening week roster, and that is Hale Henches, the rookie out of Alabama who... I, I he didn't catch very many balls at Alabama. I thought he caught four as a senior. Yep, that's it. I and I think it was three or four. And I think two of them were touchdowns. Hey, congratulations! And now he he's impressed the folks enough to to earn a spot in Indy. And uh, really, it was telling. I think it was Frank Reich who talked about this a few weeks ago about the tight end position in particular. He was saying that there's kind of two positions. There's the Eric Ebron position that they have, and there's the Jack Doyle position they have. And, in, and Ross Travis was in, the, was in the Ebron, and Hentges was in the Doyle. Exactly. So they wanted somebody else in the Jack Doyle mold, quote-unquote. And I, and I talked to Hale this week about uh, why on earth would you come to Indy with such a stacked tight right. end locker, locker room, tight end room, and with Ross Travis coming back in particular. And, well, he's he said that um, he wanted to test himself against the best, first of all. He said, second of all, there was an opportunity, at least, for that four spot. We'll see. He said between four or five teams he was thinking of, the Colts won out there. And also... Jack Doyle is he singled him out saying that's like the guy that his career is kind of on the path that I'm going that way. So if you have Doyle as the sensei and you have uh, Hale Henches as the young grasshopper, right. that's what we have right now in the Colts locker room with with this uh, undrafted rookie. And it, it, it's probably, you know, one of the best, if not the best groups of tight ends in the league. And Ebron keeps touting that, and I won't argue with him there. Some some things I'll be Eric. Are you sure this one? I'm like, okay, I think you're. I think you're right. Eric Eric tends to kind of get going and, and talking. Uh, he, he reminds me a way, and this is this is meant as a compliment of an Animal House when John Belushi starts going bonkers about was it over when they when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Germans. <laughs> That's where you just let you let Eric talk. Uh huh. But, th- I mean, two pro bowlers, and, and you really like what you see in, in Moali Cox. And, you know, you, you think you know what you've got as far as a, really, I'm still a developmental player in, in Hinchkiss. But that's why, you know, I thought keeping six wide receivers in this tight end group, six and four, that's a lot. It, it's just a lot. But you, you keep your best players. And for, for them to keep Chester and, and Chester Rogers and Pascal, it just shows you that they, they think this is a deep group. You've got to you sort of guard against injury because you know remember Reese Fountain going down and blowing out his ankle. You you can never have too many guys, but this is a, as deep a group at those two positions as I can remember this team having. We've talked a little bit about uh, positions that have more players than last year. Well, the one that really took the hit, I guess, in order for the Colts to shift the numbers around and have those extra uh, spots at say a cornerback or say a. Uh, wide receiver is the offensive line last year the Colts entered the year with 10 offensive linemen on their 53-man roster this year it's only eight I've been talking to some people in the in the uh, Colts media beat just asking them their opinions on this and I I was personally surprised that they only had eight I think maybe nine would be would have been 
uh, not out of this world. Eight seems low to me, and I know they like Joe Haig and say he can play a lot of positions back there, and we've seen him play a lot of positions because he can only play one at a time. Exactly. <laughs> so, but but there's only eight back there, which which in terms of the entire NFL, what teams do with their rosters, it just seems low to me. The only thing is, and I was talking to someone with the team during training camp. In this instance, first of all, I, I would argue for you to keep nine or ten from the people they had. I mean, you, you really they, 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 there wasn't enough quality there. But, but the way they're thinking about it now, they've got two, I believe, on the practice squad: um, the rookie and then uh, Jake. Uh, you can know, Eldon Camp. Eldon Camp, yeah. Eldern so the, Camp so, so that's Barton, ten. Yeah. That's ten. So if you get to Friday and you and you need somebody gets hurt in practice, you can you can bring them up. They, they do that all the time. But uh, I just I look I love the starting lineup. I think that the starting unit is as good as any in the league. Beyond that, I like Joe Haig, and and that, that to me that's a concern. It's, yeah. it's not numbers to me as much as it is quality behind the starters. And you just hope this is one of those rare years, and it help it happens maybe once or twice a year to where all of your starters play. And but that just so rarely happens, and certainly rarely happens here. But, uh, I, yeah, the depth concerns me. But they look at it that they've got 10 offensive linemen on this roster. That's the way – that's their thinking. That's all I would say about the decision to carry eight. On the other side of the ball, the defensive line entered uh, the year last year with nine players total on the D-line. They had five on the interior, four on the exterior. This year, 10 players will enter – season on the Colts 53-man roster on the defensive line. We've already talked about the five uh, defensive ends. That's Sheard, Bandigou, Muhammad, Houston, and Ture. Five more on the inside as well. You got your starters in Margus Hutt and uh, Danico Autry, uh, who still is, I think, the most um, uh, under-appreciated player right now. Uh, He has the potential to be truly a difference maker, and and that's partially our fault because, heck, we got a podcast we get to talk about uh, for an hour every week, and he just has very limited time that uh, we talk about him. And and how might Justin Houston impact his game? Totally. I'm very much looking forward to that, to seeing what he can do. Um, and then behind them, you got your big man, your Grover Stewart, the one player above 300 pounds on the defensive line. Uh, also, uh, the guy they love, the young kid, Taekwon Lewis, the second-year player out of Ohio State, and then Jihad Ward as well. So those are, your, um, those are your 10 defensive linemen. It's a very deep unit, and if they're going to rotate, well, they have a lot of bodies to rotate from and to go after the quarterback now. I think they, they kept nine last year. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. They kept 10. It, let's say they keep the same blueprint. Well, they've got 10 because Shared won't be ready for that's quite two, possible. Two, three weeks. Right. But he still made the roster. That, that's a good that, sign that, it, that he didn't go on It's a good sign IR, because yeah. we asked Ballard about that on Sunday. And he said, no IR, which obviously they haven't done. IR means, Joe and I were talking, it's eight weeks that you're out, whether it happens. Out, out. Yes. Out, out. You, yes. you don't practice. Well, you can practice. It's eight weeks out, six weeks. Until you can practice. Until you can practice. And there's a two-week window. So uh, it's obviously they, they believe that in – three or four weeks, certainly less than eight weeks, he'll be ready to play. And perhaps when that time comes, barring another injury, someone w- will be gone. But right now, the, the roster has got knock on wood as healthy as it can be. Hmm. You've got, I know, the pre- two guys not practicing are, are Sherrod and uh, Jonathan Williams. Jonathan Williams. Yep. And there were, time, there were times last year, what it was in New England, where they had like, uh, was it nine guys, ten guys, couldn't play. They had too many guys to with their inactives. They had more guys. Well, you, you went into the game knowing your inactives. Yeah, and then there were more after that. So this is again, it's 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 a it's a solid roster and it's a healthy roster, which is 
you know, I'm going to write something tomorrow briefly about guys. T.Y. Hilton didn't play a snap in preseason. I mean, that, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. But their whole thing was, no, we're, we want to be, would rather be healthy for the opener, as a, even if it costs us a little bit of, I don't know, continuity or being ready. So th- this is what, what they wanted. This is what they got. And T.Y. laughed in the locker room about that. He's like, they can't hold me back anymore. That's right. Yeah, was Wh- great. Which is great. And, and that's T.Y. Because <laughs> I stopped him in the, in the locker room today. I said, you've never had a preseason where you haven't played? He said, no. Mm-hmm. So And he, he, he kind of just says, you know what you got. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny. I've always thought that maybe if you're a running back, you need just, just a hit. A quarterback, Peyton Manning always used to say, "Just give me a hit, you know, just one, you know, don't don't get five sacks in a right. preseason game." But these players, they for for the most part, uh, the, the front line players. I mean, guys that had less than twenty snaps in the preseason. It's Ty, it was Costanzo, it was Nelson, it was Mack, it was Houston. So they they took a different approach to preseason this year. They, you know, last year was different. It was a new team, uh, new players, a new new regime, and all that. This year. They've got veterans. Even the young guys are sort of veterans. And they took a dramatically different approach. We'll see if it makes a difference. Of course, now you haven't got your quarterback, but it's a little different. Four players at safety on the Colts 53. Uh, no real surprises there. you got Clayton Gathers and uh, and Hooker as your two starters. Then the rookie, Kari Willis, and uh, George Odom, an undrafted player last year who made the roster, who is uh, back on it again this year. They had five safeties last year. They come in with four this year. That, who like was I the said, fifth, Matthias Farley? Yeah, Matthias Farley, and then he's gone. Has he been picked up by anybody? Do you guys know, Joe? Yes, Can, he got picked up with somebody. I thought Has it Seattle. Oh, no, I don't. I don't know. That's Joe's that's got the computer. He's cranking exactly. It up. So Jets. Jets. There we go. Okay. Oh, that's right. They got. That's kind of like in the East. It is. Yeah, they have uh, our our favorite defensive lineman from Henry Stanford, Anderson. Henry Anderson. There, I, I love Henry. There's a what is it? His like throat injury that he had. Larynx, the, the larynx, crushed larynx, crushed larynx, no, crushed larynx. Crushed sounds worse. Been, Ballard's been taken from New England. The Jets are always taken from India. Oh, Nate Harrison was in a trade to, to the Jets. Yeah, so yeah. it's yeah. so everything's cyclical. Anyway, yeah. uh, our, our last position, of course, at linebacker. I don't think there's there's too much to talk about safety, so we'll move on. But linebacker, not a ton to to dissect here. Uh, Darius Leonard, of course, and uh, Anthony Walker, your starters. You got EJ Speed, who really had a pretty strong preseason, yes, solidified a spot on the roster. I think going into the preseason, he was one of those players like he's kind of on the bubble here for the roster. But I, there was no question after seeing what he did in the preseason that he deserved a spot on the fifty-three. Uh, Bobby Okereke backing up Anthony Walker Jr. and then two guys last year, two seventh-round picks uh, who made the roster as well. They are uh, Matthew Adams, and we have saved the best for last on the fifty-three-man roster, and that is of course Zaire Franklin, Syracuse University. Can I get a holiday? Are you running out of room to him? Oh, I wish I was. <laughs> we, have, we have room in our house. Right? Well, we're, we're running out of room in our house with the baby now. The things things seem to multiply, Mike, when, when you get a young kid in the house, Been which there. is great. Yeah, people are incredibly generous to us, and we're very grateful. But you get you just get things here and there that, that show up, and whether it's clothes, whether it's a bouncer, whether it's a high chair that she can't even sit in for the next four months of her life, whatever. It, it's, it's taking up space Casseroles? in the house. You're still getting casseroles? Oh, uh, we, had, we had a tremendous amount last week. We are diving into it this week, but our freezer is still pretty full right now, so I'm grateful that I don't have to go spend too much at Kroger for, uh, for the next couple weeks. We, ha- we have dinners, let me tell you. We have dinners <laughs> right now. But, uh, and I would gladly have Zaire Franklin over for a dinner. Uh, I, keep, I keep thinking, back on the Colts, I keep thinking that if if the time comes where they just have to have a roster spot, have to, I can see them going and getting rid of a linebacker. I just, I just the way they're going to play this year, 
I think you can get by with five linebackers, but uh, again, right now they're they're not in a position of need anywhere. So it, again, this is a pretty not only healthy but a healthy spot for this roster to be in as far as how how the numbers play out. And that'd be an interesting position to cut, whether it's Franklin or Adams, probably like thinking that he might make it to the practice squad because now all the other fifty, all the other 20, thirty-two teams in the league have their fifty-three, and they kind of like their fifty-three. I would think after there's been. Cuts and signings and cuts and signings. If you look at practice squads, and it's not unusual, it's expected most practice squads are made up of players you cut. Right. There's always an exception or two. Like but, Gary Green that we talked but, about earlier. Right, because you like the guys that you had. And that, you know you had them for a reason, unless the guys, they just didn't fit. So uh, that's why, again, again I, I go back and we, we, we've talked about this, and it, this isn't homerish. This, this is a strong roster. It's, it's as strong, I've said, since '09. I believe that, and without again, we always I always tend to, you know, fall back into the the what ifs. The, the The strangest part of luck being gone is that they have finally got this roster to where you always wondered, what if, what would this be like if we get the offensive line where it needs to be a, potentially another top ten defense and a, here well here it is. So in my mind, you've got the 52 players, the roster positions, exactly where you want it to be. And now the question is that the 53rd spot, the starting quarterback. Well, those uh, this roster is going to be the roster that goes into L.A. to face the Chargers this weekend. It's going to be a heck of a challenge for them week one. So let's dive into the preview of week one in the NFL for the Colts facing L.A., one of the AFC's best teams. Uh, a wild card team last year that won 11 or 12 games in the regular season, lost their playoff divisional round to the Patriots, though. Um, Chargers are certainly a talented team, but far from full strength themselves. We're talking about the Colts may be fortunate with injuries. L.A. a little bit uh, less than fortunate with a player like a uh, like a Derwin James, who is out for the out for the year on IR. Was half the, half the year, half the year, excuse me, out for half the year on, on IR. I'll just put it Correct. that way. It's right. I should say that. And uh, their left tackle as well. Uh, Russell Okung is on injured reserve as well. So those are two very important players to what they do. Um, and Derwin James would have been the NFL rookie of the year last year, if not for uh, Darius Leonard. Uh, if Colts fans don't know this guy they're well, they would have gotten to know him certainly in this game. And um, but nevertheless, this is going to be a, a real challenge. I asked a couple of the players and also uh, Coach Reich just about, I mean, coming out of the gates with a with a tough challenge week one, see where you stack up. So as much as we talk about this Colts roster being one of the ta- most talented we've seen in a long time, if not the most talented we've seen since the mid-2000s, you're going to go up against a very talented roster that can win double-digit games as well this week one. And the problem is this team just doesn't get off to good starts. T.Y. said, I think I've been 1-0 once in my career. That's it. Since are, are they 1-8? They're 1-8 they're and in their openers. Yep. And they've been Ouch. O- and they've been 0-2 for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Of course, one and five last year. And and, and this is gonna, I still think this is a gettable game. I, I really do because as strong as the Chargers still are, l- l- let's transpose the Chargers situation to the Colts situation. If this were the Colts, they would be without Marlon Mack. Uh, right, I didn't mention Mal- Melvin Gordon Mal- either. Malik Cooker. Still, still handing it. Yeah. And, and Anthony Costanzo. That would be ugh. I mean, that that's that's what they're missing. Yeah. So you know, I realize that they say next next man up, but this is next men up, and we'll see how what they're, you, the the running backs. Who is it? I had to I had to look their names up. 
Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. And Justin Jackson, and they they were okay. Fantasy I mean, players know those two names, of course. But uh, Mike, yeah. Mike Chappell had to look them up. Yeah, right. And, and there's a fullback <laughs> on the right there. They've also got Tremaine Pope. Okay. And a fullback that I I looked it up and I I don't have oh, my whatever. notes so. Right. But but th- this this is a quality franchise and. and one thing that people may not know is is their architect is Tom Telesco, who was a long time Bill Pullian uh, personnel guy here. He was Ryan Grigson's right hand man in that great draft of 2012, and then Telesco left after 2012. And I would argue that that impacted their future drafts. Well, something impacted their future drafts, right? And, and sometimes it's people who aren't there. So, but but again, they, they've got and you know they've got the one thing. It, it's they've got the wild card. They've got the quarterback. They got Keenan Allen, who I assume I've not seen injury. He, he's apparently fine after he's missing healthy, preseason. Yeah. But doggone it, when you have the quarterback and games come down to three, four, five plays that need to be made, whether it's Justin Houston getting a sack, whether it's T.Y. Hilton making the catch, whether it's that quarterback making that third and seven play. There's going to – every game – again, it's, it's funny. Coaches talk about 60 plays, 70 plays. It's who knows what play it is. Well, it's going to be one of those that the quarterback has to make mm-hmm. or you keep you from making. And when you have those five or six or seven quarterbacks, which luck was, you know, if you're going into the fourth quarter, you're down 10 and you've got that guy, you got a pretty good chance of winning. You feel a whole lot better than if and, you don't. And, and when you don't have the guy, you're thinking, boy – can that other team screw up enough to where you know we have a chance? So yeah, it's thinking, can we get a defensive touchdown or something? Right, yeah. right, and, and and that's what happened a lot in, in 2017 with Brissett is that there were I could go back and change five plays, and that team wins eight games. Uh, what they 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 were one short of an NFL record by blowing seven halftime leads, and they lost five games with uh, a fourth quarter lead. Couple of them double digits, and that's what that quarterback, you know, the Rivers and, and the Brady's and the Rodgers and you know the the guys that we talk about, Mahomes and Roethlisberger. That's where we need to see that Brissett has gotten to the point that when Rivers is making plays and it's your turn, hold serve and, and keep your team in it. So, uh, but this is a quality Chargers team, and you're playing in what is a soccer, a soccer stadium, and so they have no home field advantage. No, twenty five thousand, thirty thousand, none. I remember at, at the beginning of last year, like I was watching the, the Chargers Eagles game there, and there were more Eagles fans than there were LA right. Chargers fans there. So I don't think there'll be more Colts fans, just because I don't think Colts fans travel quite as well. That's no disrespect to Colts fans, but uh, it, it's it's going to be very negligible. Um, it's not like going and playing in in a tough in a tough environment. Um, Green Bay or whatever. N- right. Name one. N- of name the, another one. Yeah. Right. Kansas, Field, City. Kansas City. Yeah. Arrowhead. Name a half a dozen that, yeah. that are just. There, there is that T.Y. Hilton Stadium in Houston. Wait, excuse me. No, that, that, that was wrong. But there are some stadiums where, you know, you see the point spreads and it's, a, you know, four or five points because you're home. Right. And, and this shouldn't be one of those. I've not seen the spread. I'm, I'm guessing Chargers, Chargers are by five. By a good amount. Yeah. I is, think is it's it more five or more. Okay. I think it might be more. Joe, if you could look that up. But um, but anyway, we've talked a lot uh, while Joe's looking that up. I'm look, we've talked a lot about the uh, the Chargers offense. Their defense on the other side is one of the strongest parts of their of their team is their pass rush. And that's guys like a Joey Bosa, 
uh, a Melvin Ingram who can really get after the quarterback. So right away, we're going to test Braden Smith. We're going to test Anthony Costanzo, see if these guys are ready to go week one. And uh, hopefully Jacoby Brissett doesn't get flashbacks to 2017. 52 seconds. Exactly. Spread is six and a half. Yeah, and I thought it was a little bit more than five. God, if I were a betting Mike's man. Mike's going to go on the I under. Were, if I were a betting man, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, I'd, I may take the old horseshoe on the road. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I used to do that much in my in my younger days. The and road dog. They beat it out of me by paying mm-hmm. every week to the to Joe whoever I had yeah. to pay to. Well, now, now you can do it legally, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> losses are losses. I don't care if it's illegal or legal. So I always used to say I, I used to love betting because it, it just added something to the game. And you thought it was, it's 50 50. It's either this or that. Mm-hmm. But they keep building casinos. They do. Because they're winning. There's a reason those places have uh, gold plated ceilings. Correct. You, know? and, and, and correct. you, feel, you feel great about yourself. But uh, in the long term, uh, the house the house feels better. The, the house generally wins. Yeah. When when looking at this game here, we know we already said Philip Rivers is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and if this game turns into Rivers versus Brissett, that doesn't look good for the Colts. So the Colts are going to have to win in other ways. Two very talented teams. When you have two teams that are similar in talent, it comes down to individual matchups that usually make the difference in the game. There's a few areas where I see the individual matchups really making the difference. One of them is Justin Houston versus uh, Trent Scott, who is filling in at left tackle. Trent Scott's my neighbor. No, (laughs) Wrong Trent Scott. Different Trent Trent Scott. Scott. Uh, I would assume your neighbor is not as big as this Trent Scott. (laughs) But this one, you know, undrafted in 2018, Justin Houston, we know what he can do, and he's healthy right now. That could be end up making a difference in the game. You mentioned the pass rushers. If the Colts can block them and negate them from being able to get to the quarterback, that can make a big difference on the defense where there is no Derwin James in the back end. Are there any other areas you guys see where a matchup here and there can either win the Colts the game or lose it for them? Keep have Pierre just here keep Keenan Allen from going off. Yeah, that's a big one. Because Pierre, Pierre's your your he's your guy, and I'm telling you, as much as this is. We keep saying the Dungy, you know, Tampa two defense. They're going to play a lot of man to man this year. They they just are. They they've they've told us that. And if you don't, if you're surprised, you've not been listening. So and I I like the depth in the secondary. I like uh, Kenny Moore. One thing we haven't talked about injury wise, Kenny Moore. He's got a broken thumb. He's got a club on his hand right well, now. Well, now it's not a club anymore. Uh, it's, it's not it, a club, club. It's down to a. A, 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 a an ace wrap, but there's a brace there, so he he won't be 100. percent but it's funny, we talked to him the day they came back from, from being off, and he's got that big club. I mean, it was a club. Yeah. And he sort of explained what happened. Well, I, you know, I, was, I, I didn't go on the ground. I broke it covering a guy and this, that, and the other, and I should be okay. This week, somebody got to him and said, Kenny, shut up. <laughs> so he, he, he won't say what, how, it, how it feels, what it's doing, is he going to play. But Iberfro said, you know, we, we think he'll be all right. So he'll be out there. I like this secondary to keep again to, to keep Allen and the rest of those guys from going off, and I like I like the front seven getting pressure on Rivers and any quarterback. I don't care who it is, you get pressure on him, and he's not the same. The one way to keep Philip Rivers from beating you is to keep him on the sideline. So if you want to sustain some drives, I think that would be ideal. Have Marlon Mack out there. Colts Nation hates to hear it, but they're going to try to run the ball. Not yeah. not not, not try. They're going to run the football, yeah. Until until at some point it doesn't work, and and these guys I think early are going to be stubborn 
running the football, and, the Colts. And the Chargers were a team that uh, weren't weren't tremendous against the run last year, kind of middle in the pack. Uh, but uh, if you always look at uh, what the Patriots do against you, because Bill Belichick always tries to scheme for uh, for your weakness, and in the playoff, in the divisional playoff last year, uh, Sony Michelle ran for 129 yards and three touchdowns on 24 carries. So um, I, I don't know off the top of my head exactly how much that – the Chargers have done to try to shore up their run defense in the offseason. That's just n- not something that I have I've really yeah. researched. Sign veteran linebacker Thomas Davis from the Panthers. Okay, he's a good player, but yeah, he's an older then, guy. Um, Notre Dame's Jerry Tillery on the defensive line. Hey, we talked about Tillery a bunch. Absolutely. Yeah. So that might make a difference, but until, you know, they're new players, until we see it, we don't right. know. Right. So so that's that's kind of what you're focusing on, I think. Right. And, and on the, the Chargers run game, you, would, you just would think in years past, I would be worried facing guys that I've got to look up their numbers mm-hmm. and their names because there have been too many times in the past where somebody. Darren Sproles. Who was the guy from Notre? Was it Notre? Uh, Gray. I can't remember the guy, uh, Patriots guy. Yeah, Jonas uh, Gray. Jonas Gray went Jonas off on Gray. him. I don't have. I don't have that same concern with this defense. Remember, this this was one of two or three defenses that didn't give up a hundred yard rusher last year, mm-hmm. along with the Saints and maybe Minnesota. Now they got gashed in, in Kansas City, but this this. I I really I'm really curious to how Jacoby Brissett plays. I feel pretty confident how this defense is going to play. I just I I just think it's the the pieces are in place. You're not asking anybody to go out and do what they what they can't do. You're going to get more from Darius Leonard. Uh, and, and I and again I went back and looked and the stat that just always jumps out at me is when when this defense since twelve again it's with luck here but. Since 2012, when the defense holds a team to 17 points, these guys are like 34 and one, and I'm, I'm guessing most teams are like that. But just don't try not to get in too many track meets. Let because again, the one thing you don't want to do is get into to, to passing games with Rivers and Mahomes and Roethlisberger and Breeze and and Ryan. So let let Jacoby Brissett play the game, play the position, and not throw the ball. If they throw throw the ball 50 times at Jacoby Brissett, you're in for a long season. Colts Chargers Week 1 broadcast in the central Indiana area by CBS4, and that's at 4.05 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Be sure to tune in to the Colts Blue Zone pregame show, a friend of the Colts Blue Zone podcast, on CBS4 at 11.30, CBS4 Sunday morning in central Indiana. I want to go around the table here. Final scores. What do you guys think? Colts Chargers? Yes. Uh, Chargers twenty four to seventeen. Twenty seven twenty four bolts. I, I just I can't go out on the ledge and, and take these guys until they show me what they've got. That's pre- I was gonna say twenty eight to twenty four. Uh Colts. I'm gonna take the Colts in this one. So both so of you guys the, have the so under you're the Homer. Yeah. You said bolts, right? I said Chargers. bolts. Okay. I'm gonna take the Colts on this one. I think the defense steps up and makes enough plays to win the game. Before we wrap things up, I definitely want to include some chat about the Houston Texans as well. Very because relevant they're to- fun to watch. Oh, they are. It is it, grab your popcorn, get your popcorn ready. As, uh, you know, the as thing, the the thing down there, you can't have a player threaten to punch the GM because, you know, they don't have one. Exactly. <laughs> so they've got that going for them, which is nice. But uh, the, the Houston Texans spent the last week, week and a half, making some pretty major moves, sending uh, edge rusher Jadavian Clowney to Seattle. Uh, in return, they don't exactly get a haul. They get a third-round pick. They got a linebacker and another edge rusher who Colts fans might remember, Barkevius Mingo, who was on the roster a couple years ago. He's been everywhere. He has. And so for, for Seattle, 
this is a this is a really really good trade because if Clowney leaves them next offseason because he's only only under contract for one year, and I don't think le- I don't think they can tran- I don't think they can franchise him. I think that was part of the deal. They cannot franchise him. They said they wouldn't. Yeah, said right. they wouldn't. Right. So, so anyway, if he leaves in the offseason, they would get a third round pick, like a compensatory pick, anyway. So you're basically getting Jadavian Clowney for Jacob Martin and Barkevius Mingo for crying out loud and, for one year. I, I, that's a trade I would make a hundred times out of a hundred. And Houston is still paying half of Clowney's contract. That was in the, the agreement. The gift that keeps on giving. It, indeed it is. So a great, great trade for Seattle to get Clowney. So he's gone, but in, uh, the Houston also is acquiring left tackle Laramie Tunsil and wide receiver Kenny Stills from Miami. Uh, and this was a rather uh, hefty trade. Miami got a 2020 first round pick from Houston. They got a 2021 first round pick from Houston, a 2021 second round pick, and two players as well, a uh, tackle and a cornerback who I'm sure none of you have ever heard of, so we'll let them go. But that that's a heck of a haul. Tunsil is likely a franchise left tackle, and he's a young guy. He was taken in the first round just a couple years ago. If you remember watching that draft, he was the guy that showed up with the uh, the the mask, the gas mask, and a smoking pot, and uh, that, that that was a whole thing. And he fell in that draft to thirteen or so. He would have been taken much higher than that. Yeah. So he's an incredibly talented player. Turn off, huh? Yeah, he was a turn off at the time <laughs> for sure. And uh, but anyway, that that was that that's a lot to give up for. But it is a very important position, and for the Texans especially, which have no offensive line to speak of at all. So they've been very busy trying to get into win-now mode, and they see their window is open now that Andrew Luck's retired, Mike. So it took them two or three years to decide that they couldn't keep getting their quarterback beat up? Well, it took the Colts about six or seven years, I think other people might say. so. Maybe yeah, they, they saw what happened to Luck and said, we don't want we Watson do seven away either. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, so again, that, that's it, it's hard to gauge what's what's going to happen down in. And they also got... Uh, they traded for Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, which I don't believe we mentioned in the past. That trade was a couple weeks ago, but they gave up after, a... Go ahead, sorry. They gave up a third, maybe a fourth, uh, if Johnson plays 10 games for them. So that's another draft pick that they gave up. Running back position is completely reholed after uh, Lamar, Lamar Miller, Miller tore his ACL, right. yes. Oh, I've, I've always thought that was a team, and we've talked about it, that they blind you with four or five players that are just premier. Mm-hmm. The Watson, the Deand- Watson, DeAndre, uh, uh, Hopkins, who I still, oh if, if I'm starting fantasy, with all due respect to T.Y., if I'm starting fantasy, DeAndre Hopkins is my guy. Didn't he catch every every uh, ball? He had zero drops yes. last year. Yes. Zero. Not even the like plays that were out of bounds or something. Right. Zero drops. Nothing. Yeah. Ridiculous. And, and, and we know how many times there, there are tough throws. But but and now you, you, you take one of those major players out. How, how is the rest of the roster? But you're right. This is... You know, somebody tweeted that this either Bill O'Brien's got this team ready to win now, or for the next coach. Yeah, <laughs> those are your options right, right. now. So, so again, I, it, it's amazing how we talked about over the summer. I think about AFC South might be one of the best divisions in, in, in the NFL. Now, I mean, so, so much has happened. I mean, the Colts have gone from Super Bowl contenders to most people have them like third or fourth in the division now, right. from ten wins to. Six and a half. Their immediate line or their immediate odds were became all of a sudden the worst to win right. the division. So right. Vegas would say they were last in the right. division. Yeah, and we still have you know now Houston. I don't know how you gauge what Houston's going to do. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, I, I don't know. I, I Nick Foles, Jaguars, Tom Coughlin, and Doug Marone, Syracuse Nation leading Jacksonville to glory. 
for a Colts podcast, you seem a little too excited about that. Hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for my orange. We are uh, number one for a school spirit, as voted multiple years by, I believe it's U.S. News and World Report or Princeton Review or whatever those, uh, those folks. That's the hill you're dying people. on, isn't it? It is. I, I will <laughs> gladly plant my flag and die on that hill. So this has been another Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to download, subscribe, get this delivered to you every week. Once again, Colts Bolts on Sunday, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, broadcast in central Indiana on CBS4. Tune in for the Colts Blue Zone pregame show at 11.30 a.m. Sunday. Get you ready for NFL Sunday. So follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow me at Dave G underscore sports. Follow Mike at mchapel51. Follow Joe at Roto Street Joe, and we'll see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. <laughs>